Hey y'all, welcome back to another episode of Chats from the Blog Cabin, the show where I invite people into the blog cabin to chat about life. I'm Melissa and I'm your host. Today we're chatting with Katie. Katie is an intuitive and an empath and we talk about everything from moving across country by herself from the East Coast to the Pacific Northwest. Um, We talk about sexual harassment in the workplace and how she had to deal with that. And she kind of gives you some tips as well and talks about her story. Um, And then she also talks about how going through the sexual harassment and being in a narcissistic relationship um, helped her to kind of build a path, lead her down the path of life coaching. So I really hope you really enjoyed this episode. I really enjoyed talking to Katie and I'm going to have her come back on and she's going to do a, basically we're just going to do a guided meditation one for those days when we're also stressed and we really don't have a lot of time, but I put all her information in the show notes. So you know what I need you to do right now. That's right. Start listening. to another edition of Chats from the Blog Cabin. Um, today, I'm going to be joined by Katie. But before we get into what Katie does and everything about her life, I want to share a quote since it is still Women's History Month um, and we're doing women empowerment and women appreciation. A quote by Bethany Hamilton, which I think kind of sums up what we're going to talk about today. And it goes like this. Courage, sacrifice, determination, commitment, toughness, heart, talent, and guts. That's what little girls are made of. The heck with sugar and spice. So don't you agree, Katie? That's amazing. I love that quote. We need to be taught more of grit and determination than sugar and spice, for sure. That's so true. So Katie, introduce yourself. So my name is Katie Dirkswager. I am a certified professional um, empath, intuitive life coach and career coach. Um, I am originally from Minnesota, believe it or not. And I moved around the country a couple of times, started off, you know, in education. I thought I was going to be a writer. Like my bachelor's is in writing and I worked retail, like as we normally do when we're in high school. Right. And ended up moving from Minnesota to Florida, lived there for a couple of years. Minnesota was too cold. Florida was too hot. I moved to South Carolina thinking that that would be just right. Cause it was in the middle. Turns out that wasn't it. Uh, I learned a lot, moved into education, had worked in higher education for about eight years, um, helping students figure out what they wanted to be when they grew up and kind of dealt with some of my own situation. I think we're going to talk about that today Um, and ended up transitioning into life coaching because it was really those talents and those skills that I learned on helping other people that I wanted to use in a career because that's where I felt the most fulfilled and the most reward. Um, And so I took a leap of faith. Uh, I had been laid off from one of my jobs, moved across country 4,000 miles. I hadn't been to Oregon since my high school choir trip 15 years before. Moved here blind, got a job, finished my coaching program, and have been going ever since. Wow. So let's first get into, you said you were empath and intuitive. Tell people Mm -hmm. who aren't familiar with what that means. So uh, empath is really, I can feel other people's emotions. Um, And it's really a great gift because I see below the surface of what's not being said. And I can also see other people's potential. It was challenging in high school because I was picking up all the drama. So Mm. I was always overwhelmed. I was always crying, not sure what was going on. Uh, But I was picking up other people's feelings and emotions. And it wasn't until I learned about what empaths were and what, and Reiki really just dealing with energy in general that I found out 
oh yeah, that's what I am. Like, this is why I didn't know how to protect myself and my energy and to know whose emotions was I feeling? Was it mine? Was it, you know, the roommates that I had? Was it my neighbor? Like what was going on? And I think it really hit home with the pandemic too. It's like going out even now or in the beginning, um, everyone was so overwhelmed that it was really hard for me to go to grocery stores just because it was this, this ball of, you know, energy. Um, but that's really a great thing for me to have when I'm coaching and when I'm working with other people, because I'll know certain subject areas to like tap on a little bit more to get more insight. Um, intuitive really just means that that same thing. It, it, I feel like they're, they're combined together. It's, I can feel if there's a route that we need to go, a question that we need to ask, or sometimes I'll get just hits of intuition of, okay, have you thought about this? Or can I share this insight into what you might be experiencing? Am I right on that? Um, it used to be where I could actually, and this is going to sound a little funky, but where I could actually see things happen before they happened. Um, and when you're in high school and that happens, you're just like, what is this? I don't know what this is, but it's weird. Nobody knows about it. But I think as we're, we're going into, you know, 2021 and, and even there's been, I think some people learning about you know, trusting their gut instincts and their own feelings. And I think that that's coming to light a lot more is that we all have these innate gifts of being able to feel into something mm -hmm. that into more. Wow. So when did you start feeling like that? Like that you could feel other people's emotions. High school. High school. So it wasn't until you hit a puberty maybe. Well, so I, I knew my parents were going to get a divorce when I was five. Like mm. those things happened earlier, but it wasn't, I didn't recognize it until I was in, in that high school age, you know, that puberty age when you're shifting emotions. Right. Um, and I would write poetry it might've been in middle school actually. And I was writing poetry for other people, but like really deeply emotional things that I've never experienced, but my friends were going through it and I was channeling what they were feeling into what I was writing. Um, and so that was, that was kind of hard as a teenager is to pick up everything. And to be honest with you, a lot of empaths at that age when they don't know how to, you know, differentiate gain weight. And that's, mm. that's, that's really what happened to me too, is that because that's the emotional point, it's our buffer, our added protection against the world and the energy that's coming at us from other people. Wow. I mean, honestly, you've had some, you sound like you have already from just your little bio that you said you have an amazing story. I mean, you traveled all across country from South Carolina to Portland, Oregon, which I'm amazed at, but let's talk about that move across country because you did it by yourself, right? I did it with my mom. Oh. Yeah. It was, I hired a moving company, uh, which is real expensive, but it was the same price as if I was going to hire a U-Haul and, you know, have the gas mileage and all that. So I hired a moving company. I packed up most of my stuff. I kept the important things. Like I, I got rid of half of it, right? I got rid of half the stuff so I wouldn't have to pay to move it. Um, packed the important things like my animals and my essentials and my like important documents in the car. And I have a little Honda fit and my mom and I, my mom flew down to help me drive. Cause you know, she, we also used to do road trips growing up. Right. Mm -hmm. And my mom used to driving these long hours. And uh, by the end of it, I was like, I don't know how you took us on two week long road trips and was the only driver, but we drove, it took us seven days and we took breaks. We didn't do huge long days, but we took seven days um, and we saw kind of the U S across country too, which is really neat. And we had done that before, but it was kind of nice just to reconnect and to listen to audiobooks and chat and talk about all the things and, uh, see the country together. But it was, I moved here, not knowing anyone. Uh, mm -hmm. that's, that's a huge challenge for people when they transition into another state. I didn't, didn't have a job. I ended up getting a part-time job like the week before I moved moved to the apartment blind, didn't know what that was going to look like. The movers were going to be there early when I wasn't even there. So, I mean, there's, there's all kinds of challenges when you move across country, but it, it worked out. And I'm so glad that I had that opportunity with my mom, especially since she's off, she's up in Minnesota. So it was really nice just to reconnect and to 
travel across country together. So why did you decide Portland? Uh, there's, there's two reasons to that. One is I was, I know when it's time to leave a state, like I'll have that innate feeling that goes back to the intuitive knowing of, okay, it's, it's time, right? You've, you've done what you've needed to do. You've learned all your lessons here. It's time to go. And I had that feeling a few years in actually in, in South Carolina and um, was taking a walk with the dog. And I got this very strong intuitive hit that it's time to share my voice and share my message. And so I had been looking at states before then, just curiosity of where I would want to go. And Portland was on there more so because um, the outdoor life like is amazing here. I can go up 20 minutes and go on hikes in the mountains. The ocean is two hours away. The desert is two hours away. Portland is a temperate rainforest. Like you got all the climates in one. Mm-hmm. And they're more open to ideas of an intuitive life coach, right? Small businesses, there were great opportunities for small businesses here. I suffer from migraines. I've had them for 19 years. Mm-hmm. Um, and I looked up the migraine statistics for what states are more conducive to people who have them. And, and Oregon and Portland was one of the better states. The other states are in California and the cost of living there is ridiculous. So I wasn't about to do that. Um, but, and then it goes back to when I was 12 years old, I knew I didn't want to live in Minnesota. And I used to have this box called the California dream box because I thought I was going to move to California up like Northern California in the middle of the redwood forest, like all of these beautiful nature, the ocean, the Rocky cliffs, all of that. And I moved to Florida instead because I thought, okay, this is the beach, but the cost of living is less. It wasn't until I got here that I realized the vibe, how different it was of a feel of a place. Now, it's not exactly what I thought it was going to be. There's some things that I'm learning about, you know, the history of the state of Oregon and, um, you know, the politics and some of the things that they've done here in the past, but they are, you know, making strides to change. But it feels a little bit more like home than any of the other places that I've lived. Yeah, because Oregon definitely has a different vibe because my daughter actually, my middle daughter actually, like we said before we got on, actually went out there for a week and it's a different vibe altogether. It's more like a, I don't want to, I don't want to use the word hippie as a a derogatory, but it's more like real free kind of free flowing for creatives and, and things, people that are very spiritual, you know, as far as, you know, believing other things as well. So do you agree? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I did see a guy dressed like Spider-Man the other day. So Portland, keep Portland weird is definitely a thing, even though they stole it from Austin. Uh, but it is, it's very, they're, they're very open-minded. They're very um, creative types. Anyone from jewelry makers to, you know, having your own like food truck. That's huge. The food industry is huge with different things that you can be creative with. Uh, and since COVID, I mean, it has changed a little bit with some of the smaller businesses, but I think it's more conducive to that environment of do your own thing and you'll still be able to make it work. Yeah. So let's talk about some of the relationships that you've been in and some of the things that you've had to deal with, because um, one of the things that you talked about was the relationship with narcissistic people. And I've had a couple of people on talking about, a matter of fact, I had a custody coach come on talking about how to get out, how you were able to gain custody if your partner is a narcissistic Mm. person. So let's talk about that first. Let's talk about your relationships. Okay. So I was involved with someone who was on the narcissistic spectrum. And I say it that way because I think that there are people who, um, if you talk to them about some of their tendencies, they're willing to change. And then you have the opposite end of people who aren't willing to admit that they have any sort of problem at all and are very, very manipulative. So he was on the spectrum and at one point made me feel like something that he had done wrong to me or he had done, right? He made me feel like I had done something to hurt him, like I was in the wrong 
And I know that I made my own mistakes in the relationship as well. And, and, you know, but I think the way that I was feeling, it felt very manipulative, very much like I was used a little bit. Um, and in the end it was all twisted. Like it became this, this spiral of what is this? And you get sucked in. You, a lot of people who, especially who are empaths or who have that ability to feel other people's emotions, because we can see the potential and that, that light that could be them, we get sucked in. And it's this kind of Velcro-y relationship that's very, very hard to get out of, especially if you don't have support. So mm-hmm. I've worked with clients who've been in narcissistic relationships and they said, you know, if when I was in the middle of it, I wouldn't have been able to get out unless they knew that I was going to be supported because they thought they were crazy. Mm-hmm. They thought they, they believed entirely what they were saying and that everything that the, the, other their partner had done wrong was really something that they had done wrong. And so their self-esteem and their confidence was so low that they didn't feel like they deserved better. And I think that that's, that's part of what happens in those type of relationships is that you feel like this is all you're worth. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, I was, I was dealing with that. I was also at the same point of that ending um, dealing with, a harassment situation at work with someone who was also somewhat of a narcissist. So it was kind of a twofold, like a one-two punch. It was really, really overwhelming. Um, I'm very thankful that I had a therapist and group therapy and my own life coach at the time um, and a few good friends that would, you know, help me get through it. So let's talk about the sexual harassment that you just brought up Mm because a lot of women face that in the workplace. So can you tell us your situation and how you went about, you know, if you ever reported it or anything like that? So um, I think the scariest thing is the initial sharing of what's happening because we don't know if we're going to be taken seriously. I think a lot of women don't know the route to go so that they will be taken care of. So I actually went to um, the gentleman that had been, you know, creating all the trouble with the sexual harassment. Uh, it was it was considered pervasive. So it was about two years of it. Um, and I went to him and I told him, you know, this really makes me uncomfortable. Um, it triggers me, you know, in, in my own beliefs because it's very derogatory towards women. Like some of these comments I feel really uncomfortable on. Okay, cool. Right. You think that's going to change things. So when it didn't, we went to the next step, which is be to talk to his superior right? Or human resources. Um, and if you don't feel comfortable talking with the individual, like if they're making you feel uncomfortable, you can go directly to your boss or human, <coughs> excuse me, human resources, um, made a complaint. That was also very, very hard to do is to outline what was happening and what we'd done. And we thought, okay, you know, or I thought, you know, okay, it's going to change. Things are going to be different. Um, it worked well for a little while and then it stopped working. Mm. And so, um, and it got a little worse. Like it got to the point where people were like sneaking around and still talking about stuff. And it was just a really challenging place to be in. Um, and then we, we did report. So after you, you know, make your complaint to HR, if that's not happening, you can go above them if that's possible, or you can go directly to the EOC, which is the Equal Opportunity Employment Commission. You would have to do that before you could bring it to a lawsuit if that were to happen, just because you're backed up and they do their own investigation. Um, yeah, so I went through all of that. Um, I can't share a whole lot of details because it is, you know, confidential, but, um, it got worse. It got, you know, there's a rule that says you're not supposed to have recrimination. And I think a lot of women who are in that situation do fear that. So my, my point to any of you who are going through that is to have at least one person, whether it be a therapist or a good friend who, you know, believes you and knows knows you and is one of those people that helps expand your life and like, you know, um, you know who those are, right? The people that you feel like you can be your real self with. 
talk to them about it because they will be your sounding board and the person that helps keep you sane. Uh, if I did not have that, I would have, I, it would have been a lot worse. So, I mean, there were times when I would, cause I was still working at this point. Mm. I was still working through all of the, you know, stuff that coming was coming at me and, um, it was really, really hard to do. And if they do act against you after that, that's an added thing against them on the back end. So, um, yeah, that was really hard. The therapy really helped, group really helped. And then having that one person um, was super helpful. But I did end up, I did end up leaving, taking a leave of absence because it got to the point where it was triggering PTSD. So even mm -hmm. after that, I would wake up screaming in the middle of the night. Um, I was, I was terrified because some of the comments that were made were, um, they were scary. Let's just leave it at that. They were scary to the point where I would wake up in the middle of the night screaming. So um, I was afraid of running into people like this, this, it changes your whole life when you go through something like that. And I think that going through it alone is terrifying, but having those people that you can talk to um, are really, really important. So yeah. let's, when you first decided to report it, what went through your mind though? Because I know a lot of women doubt. They're like, well, they're not going to believe me. I just have to put up with this. So what made you have the courage to say, I can't take anymore? Um, I wrote an article on this, actually. It wasn't just me that was being affected. Mm -hmm. So if you are in this situation and you know that other people are around you that are feeling the same way, and maybe you vented to each other in the past... It's easier for us to stand up for someone else than it is to stand up for ourselves. I don't know why that, I mean, it's, it goes down to our worth, right? Mm -hmm. But I think, you know, knowing that I was not the only one, but knowing that somebody needed to say something. And I, I mean, once you start it, it's kind of like a snowball. Mm-hmm. Like it's going to, it's going to keep getting bigger. It's going to keep growing. But if you don't say something, it's going to continue and you might leave. So a lot of people in this situation are like, oh, I'm just going to quit. I'm just going to find another job. Well, what happens to the next person that is in this situation? And what if it gets physical or violent and you had an opportunity to speak up? Hmm. I mean, because honestly, the 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 courage that you took to confront the person about it first, because you said you went to him first mm -hmm. to confront the person. I mean, that must have been very, very hard for you. How were you able to just, OK, I'm going to get through this deep breathe. Let's do this, you know, because that's yeah. terrifying. And you're already saying you're already waking up with nightmares later on. But that's terrifying to confront the person that's doing this to you. So I, and for women, this is really hard because we have the confidence thing, right? I related it to speaking out in general. And we were always told, you know, to keep small, to keep quiet. Uh, but I had to learn when I started working in admissions, how to overcome some of my own fears of speaking with people, like asking them really challenging questions. Funnily enough, I was going through a conflict management class at the time of all of this happened. I was like, this is perfect timing. Am I going to fail the class? I don't know. But it was the material that I was learning was really helpful. Um, but it's, it's kind of like for me, in a way, like asking someone out or having a really hard conversation with a friend, right? Because if you have to confront a friend about something, that can be really challenging as well. Mm -hmm. It's not necessarily going to, you know, someone who's sexually harassing you saying, knock this off. But the way that I approached it, and because I thought we had a good relationship at that point, I wasn't thinking that this was going to be what it was, honestly. I thought it was going to be, I'm going to talk to you and say, hey, this is a sensitive subject for me. Could you lay off a little bit? And I thought that that would be it, to be honest with you. Um, 
I had talked about it so much that someone else actually brought us to the next level. And if that hadn't happened, would I have done it? I don't know. I can't answer that question. Um, but I think that it was to the point when it's to the point where you're just like dreading going in to work. And when you don't, I mean, you, you're maybe applying for jobs at that time, but when you're dreading it, I mean, there's something else going on, mm. but it is scary. It's like taking that deep breath and saying, okay, I am worth more than this. And this should not be happening. This is not okay. Now, did you ever get, when you went up further and you went up the chain, they were like, no, you're lying. You don't, don't believe they bleed you. Mm -hmm. I had so many people that, and, and this is true for any office environment. If you're one of those people who talk to each other, and there's maybe a couple of ladies who are in the office who are feeling the same way. If one person starts to share, the other people feel more willing to tell their stories. Mm -hmm. Because someone did. And so it all, it all came out. Like even, even the guys that I work with, because I had talked to them and said, Hey, or they said something right. And said, Hey, this isn't cool. Knock it off. Um, so I think that it, people were honest enough to realize, okay, this isn't normal. Like this is not okay. We have a question. It said, did you find that you thought about what was on the other side of speaking up and the release and freedom of it all? Like, what you what i don't know exactly the first one but the release and freedom how did you feel after you you spoke up did you feel like you oh, has this off my chest or oh my gosh what have i done i was in the middle of it so when you're in the middle it's like it's like uh some people might call it a dark night of the soul right when you're in the middle of feeling all of this pain and anxiety you don't know what's on the other side. You just have to get through it, right? It's like this pandemic. We don't know what's going to be there. We're in the middle of this, this mess. Um, I, I will say like once the first, once I, once I knew that the complaint was live with the EEOC, once it was delivered that day, that moment, I was terrified, mm. terrified. Um, in fact, I got called into the office and I knew he knew that I had said something and I was like literally shaking. Like I went into the bathroom. I might've cried a little bit. Right. Cause you're all amped up and all this anxiety I was on medication also, by the way. Mm. Um, but <laughs> after that, like when he was gone, it felt like, okay, there was like, you're validated by this, this happened. Obviously they believe you and that something else is going on. Um, and then everything, everything started shifting. And I think for me, just getting through it, um, every day was, was hard. Now, looking back several years, you know, this was several years ago. Now I can see the freedom and the fact that I felt really strong now that I can speak up and that I can speak up if this happens again. And I was actually able to help someone through their own harassment situation when they were involved in something and say, okay, this is what, as a supervisor, right? This is the steps that you need to take, but this is not okay. Mm -hmm. The question was, did that propel you, I guess, propel you to speak up is knowing that you were speaking up for others. Yes. You said that. Yes. Why do we not value ourselves? Because you said that earlier, you said when you speak up for others, we can do it. But when we have to speak up for ourselves, we can't do it. So why don't we value that? I think honestly, we probably have some trauma like ancestrally, like from the ages of women not being allowed to speak up, right? And not being allowed to share their story or not be believed. I mean, you go back in history and you look at like the witch trials, not even before before Salem. If you're looking at, you know, the women being murdered in uh, the UK, just because they had talent and it was like people telling against people and people who are wanting others to die because they didn't like them. Like all of this made up stuff. And we are kind of ingrained to believe 
that we don't need to speak up, that our voice doesn't matter, that you're not going to be believed. And I think that's also why a lot of people were starting to speak up more recently about sexual abuse Mm -hmm. because they were told for so long that this didn't happen, that it doesn't matter what happened, that you need to stay small and look pretty and be quiet Mm -hmm. and just keep going. When in fact, you know, it's, it's, when you rise up and say, okay, this is wrong. This does not need to happen. Let's fix it. That change actually happens. Yeah. It goes back to the quote that I picked. And I'm so glad I picked it for today. I go through each individual, each time that a woman comes on, I go through and find a quote. And I was like, this sounds like the great quote. Cause you know, I had pages and I get flipped through, but I'm so glad I picked this one because you're right. Yeah. We need to learn how to speak up for ourselves. And that's hard for women in our society to do it. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm a huge fan right now. I'm watching. I don't know if you're familiar with Outlander at all. Okay. Yeah. But in one particular, it brought to mind when you talked about the witch trials, when Claire was on, trial for a witch and they believed her only because the other girl wanted her her husband i mean they think things can be brought up false charges can be brought up all the time so i applaud you for speaking up and also for sharing your experience with others so that they can learn because honestly i think a lot of women don't want to talk about because there's that shame like i must have done something to cause this person to sexually harass me and it's that well did I wear short two short skirts or did I show a little bit of cleavage or was I overly affectionate or was I very friendly with them? I mean, all these different things and that our culture is all uh, male dominated culture anyway. So I applaud you for sharing. Thank you. Yeah. Well, and that's, that's kind of what I learned after the fact too, is like, if I can use my experience, you know, to, to stand up for other women and kind of be that person that's like, and it goes back to what I was saying. Like if, if I knew it's easier for me to stand up for other people. Right. So if I can be that person to stand up for other people and guide them on their own journeys and have my story have meaning and like all the stuff that you've been through has a meaning to it, it makes it kind of worth it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is so true. So part of that sexual harassment did that kind of make you go, okay, I'm going to be a life coach so I can help? Was that part of the journey into the being a life coach or no? Real, real, really, I, uh, I wanted to be a life coach in like 2015. And I took an initial certification because that's when I started working with my coach who now runs a, a life coach training program, which is awesome. Um, but I wanted to be a coach because that's the part I loved about working with students, right? I, it was before all of this happened, but I think in order for me to be a successful coach, I needed to go through this because I, and, and talking to my clients um, and talking to other women, even, you know, in, in some of the groups that I lead, it's that narcissistic having the courage to speak up that I hadn't gone through. Mm-hmm. And I think I needed to go through that to be able to share my story and like the, what the other side of it could look like and making sure that we're doing the work, not only with, you know, finding our voice and our strength, but, you know, learning to communicate, having to find balance. Like I had to find balance in one of my jobs. I think all of the lessons that I've had over the last several years have led me to be better at what I do and have more confidence. In doing it. I think in the beginning when I did, you know, my initial certification in 2015, I wasn't confident enough to even try because I you know, you have imposter syndrome and you're not, you feel like you're not good enough to do it. You don't have enough education or enough experience. When in reality, when I did my, you know, my big certification, I was like, Oh wait, I've been doing this all along. That's <laughs> so funny that you brought up imposter syndrome because I think that's the majority of all the women that I've had on the show have talked about feeling yeah. like they're impossible, that they're imposters and that, they're going to be a fraud if anybody finds out this is what they're really like. So they kind of don't speak up like they should. So it's, you know, what do you do about that? You work through it. I think it's, it's like practice, right? You don't, you're not going to yell at a kid who's wanting to walk that they suck when they fall. 
And just like us, when we start something, if we have a passion for it, if we start and we start doing the work and we start showing up, mm-hmm. talking, there's going to be someone, even if it's one level below us, that's going to benefit from the information. We don't have to know all the answers. We can be honest enough to say, I'm not sure. Let me, let me do a little digging on that for you. But I think that, you know, a lot of the people that I, I've worked with, it's more of believing that what they need matters, mm-hmm. believing that what they say has value. So it's, it's going back into, you know, finding their own authentic voice, because I think a lot of times we're around people that we can't truly be ourselves with. And that affects that imposter syndrome because we're trained early on, right? Our neural pathways are now like ingrained that what we say is not going to be taken seriously because someone's going to, right? Because we don't, we don't understand that at a young age. We just surround ourselves with people who have things in common. But as an adult, we get to choose more and we get to pay attention to those people who allow us and we allow them to truly be themselves and to not and to not fit into a little box. Because I feel like there's a lot of people that we don't feel comfortable with. And um, and it might be that you just don't want to share that stuff with them. You know, those negative people who always will like take whatever you say and like say, well, what if, or have you thought about this? And like bring it real negative. Why would you even, why do we need to share stuff with them? Yeah. Share stuff around those people who get you excited or maybe challenge you. Maybe they might ask you a question that you're just like, oh. But it helps you grow versus those people that you just tell and then you start second guessing yourself. So I think it's about changing our mindset, about surrounding yourself with people who build you up and who help expand you into your own growth. And growth is uncomfortable. It's not going to be comfortable. It's not supposed to be. But and then practice because that that gets you feeling more confident in your abilities, sharing your knowledge gets you more comfortable. And the more that you do it, the less that you'll feel like I'm not good enough or what do I have to share? So do you feel like you, when you going back to the sexual harassment thing, did you feel like once you started speaking up more and more and more, you were more confident in what you were doing and kind of, because you said all that, that and the narcissistic relationship you were in that it kind of led you to, to the path where you are now, do you feel more confident that, hey, I can call it out like that if it ever happened to me again? Yeah, yeah, now, yeah. But again, when I was in the middle of it, no way. Like you have to go through the darkness to get to the light. Like you gotta go through some of those tunnels. Um, but now, absolutely. Like that's when, that's when I had, um, you know, one of my employees who was going through a similar, not a similar situation, but a situation that aligned with harassment that I was able to say, okay, no, we're going to talk about this. We're going to get this taken care of. And then I'm very protective now of my boundaries. And I think that that's something that's really important for us as women to do is to set your boundaries and your guidelines of what you're willing to accept. Because I think that if we set the precedence that this is what is okay if this if communication starts with this kind of stuff and we allow it initially, then then they might think, okay, that's okay. Um, but it's not. So even staying stating something initially, saying, okay, I'm not comfortable with that, or setting strong boundaries. I had to learn how to set boundaries at work. Didn't know how to do that before. So that was I definitely feel a lot more comfortable doing that and speaking up when something I see is wrong. So you talk about setting boundaries. I know that goes into life coaching because a lot of women don't have boundaries. They don't have, they don't know when to say no. It's like, okay, yes. Mm -hmm, Cause they're all juggling families. They're juggling work. They're juggling, you know, who they are on the end. They have the inner struggles as well. So how do we set boundaries so that we say, no, this is not acceptable. It, It depends on the area that you're wanting to set the boundaries in. So, for example, you mentioned that there's a lot of things that we say yes to that we really don't need to because we're overextending ourselves. Um, Those are, I like to call, and I think it was Jen Shapiro who wrote a book about having a budget of how much time, energy, and money that you have and how you allocate it. 
So say your boss invited you to, you know, a happy hour going away for someone that you don't really know at work. And normally you would say yes, because you feel like you have to say yes. If you're looking at, okay, if this is an investment of your time, energy, and money, do you want to spend that on someone you don't really know? Or do you want to spend that doing something that is worthwhile to your yourself or your growth or your family? So it's looking at the decisions that you make in a different way and tuning into yourself because uh, say the event, whatever it is, an activity is tomorrow. If your answer is no, I wouldn't do that. Are you going to really want to do it two weeks from now? No. Mm. So I, I try to ask myself, especially when I'm taking on activities, one, does this align with my values? Like, is this something that feels good for who I want to be and become? Um, and then two, does it feel good to even do? Right. Or is this going to, is this going to drain me? Cause there's some activities that I love, but I know energetically drain me like going to the mall. I don't like going, I used to work in a mall. Don't like going to the mall now. So what activities can I do that kind of fill me that also are productive? Right. And I think, mm-hmm. I think women a lot of times put everyone else first mm-hmm. for them. And I struggled with that too. Like I was doing all the things I was working 60 to 70 hours a week. I had no time for, I was going to the gym. Like my balance in my life was out of whack. And I realized I cannot, and I'm not able to fill other people when I am, my cup is empty. And so I needed to do things to fill myself up in order to be better at those other things that I was doing better at my job, better, you know, at the gym, healthier. You Because if you're not taking the time to care for you and your own growth, then what do you really have that you're giving other people? Mm, that is so true. Now, what kind of things do you do for your self-care? Because I know a lot of people out there, they don't know even know what self-care is all about. And so I know self-care is different for everybody, but what do you do for yourself that maybe somebody else may, may kind of trigger something in their brain? Yeah. Um, so I still work with coaches. Um, I have a coach of my own, right? And I use that as part of my self-care. And one, it's, it's a check and balance to make sure that I'm making progress towards the goals that I have. And it kind of allows me to reflect in a different way. Uh, I also am a nature lover. So I will go out and go on hikes uh, and just really enjoy being present in nature. Soak it all in, bring the dog, you know, we'll go on an adventure. I also am a big journaler. So I'll journal. I do a morning journal every day. I set my intentions for the mornings. Um, I set my intentions for a lot of the things that I'm doing just to make sure that I'm on that energetic level. I do gratitude lists, which are really helpful for me. And I, I call it a practice because it's never going to be perfect. Just like yoga, it's different every day. Um, you know, I, I, I do some of those basic things, but I think making sure that we feel that we're full energetically. It could be taking a nap in the middle of the day. It could be a bubble bath. It doesn't have to be physical things, but it's whatever you feel replenishes you. It makes you feel good. It might be, you know, zoning out and reading a really great book one day. I do those things too. Oh, I, I, I so can understand what you were saying about nature because nature seems to calm me, but it's winter is hard to get out in nature, especially I guess in, in Portland, it's really hard because it's so, isn't it go a lot colder there in Portland? No, it's rainy. Oh, the same temperature as the Carolinas most times, but it gets a little rainy. This year we had like this obnoxious snowstorm. Um, but so, so what I do actually, and this is something I, I had a, I led a class a couple weeks ago and we did this too, but I write a list of those things that bring me joy. Like even if it's like a childhood thing and I stick it on my fridge. So on those days that I can't get out, if it's snowing or raining or just gross in the winter, like, okay, what can I do inside? Like, can I color? Can I put on some great music and dance around the living room? What can I do? And it's kind of a reminder because I see it every day on my fridge of some of those things to get out and do. 
Wow, that's a, that's a really cool idea to put that reminder on your fridge because I think that's when you'll see it. But a lot of people said they schedule self-care time in their schedules as well. Yeah. I mean, some, some people like to schedule it. I think it's like setting an appointment with yourself. So if that works for you, absolutely. Um, and it's making sure that you feel like you're important as any other appointment that you have in your calendar. Um, sometimes I'll do that. Like sometimes I'll set aside time. I know my morning routine includes journaling. I just, I don't have that on the calendar. I just know what I like to do in the mornings that kind of set me up. Um, yeah, but I think that's a really great, a great way to do it as well. So you just mentioned morning routines. I know a lot of coaches say morning routines, morning routines. Why is that so important? You're setting yourself up for the day. So I used to, and I probably should, but I don't like the word should, uh, do a, a minute, like a 15 minute meditation in the morning that sets me on the visualization of what I want to create in the world and who I want to become and my future self to help manifest and get me into that alignment. Lately, I have been doing, it started with me waking up at 5.30 in the morning. And this is why I don't do the 15 minute meditation because I don't want to wake up at five o'clock in the morning. <laughs> so I, I do a about a five minute journal um, that asks me a couple questions. And this is one that I've used for years. It's one of those books that you can find on Amazon because it's really quick. But it's uh, what you want to um, let go of then things that you're grateful for and what you want to focus on for the day. So it asks three great questions and it helps you focus on that energy of what you want to create and what your intentions are. And then I do, um, I, I connect with who I want to become, like my future self. And I journal a little bit from her perspective sometimes, or sometimes I'll just do some insight that I got if I was doing you know, had this weird dream or something like that. And any insight that I've gotten from that, I make it really quick because I'm not a great morning person and I prefer sleep. Um, so anything that I can do this quick, I also try, especially if you're driving, if you guys drive to work, cause I'm physically going to a job right now. If I'm having a really bad morning, which sometimes will happen if, if it feels like everything is going wrong that day, cause we've all had those. I try to look outside and to think of things that I'm grateful for or think of things that I can enjoy. So if you don't have time for a morning routine, if you don't want it to be a routine, um, consider it a practice, just like, you know, gratitude or yoga that it might be different on some days, but there's some small thing that you can do that helps shift your energy. And if you look at the scientific basis of gratitude, um, or even meditation, it actually calms your blood pressure. It gives you more of, you know, more patience. There are some amazing benefits of meditation and gratitude that how it impacts your brain and your uh, serotonin levels in your body. So it's kind of like giving yourself a little chill pill. <laughs> wow. I just, I just love that. I mean, the fact that the morning routine, morning routine, every, every life coach, I said, it's important. It's important. It's important. Okay. Yeah, what happens when you're not a morning person, like you just said. I'm you like, do it. You do it. <laughs> yeah. But you do it in smaller bits? I think, yeah. I mean, because it really, mine really just takes five to 10 minutes. And that's doable for me. But I also think if you start doing it consistently, the change that you see is amazing. Like I had a, I have a client who I started doing a gratitude thing in the morning and I don't care what you're grateful for. If you want to be grateful for the fact that you can breathe, that's perfect. If you want to, if you want to be grateful for your physical presence in your body, absolutely. Um, but she noticed a huge change when she started doing that and making sure that her person and herself and her soul was set up as an important part of her day. And that gave her calm to deal with crazy things that happened at work, right? Because you can always go back to think of some of those things that made you grateful. And you're coming at the day with a different energy than you would if you were like, oh, I have to get up. Like you can feel the difference. 
I, I'm not going to lie. There are days that I just am like, can I stay here in bed? <laughs> but I still manage to think of things that I'm grateful for. Like I'm grateful for snuggles with the puppy or, you know, some of those things. And they, and they really do shift my energy from, oh, I don't want to get up. So, wow. That's just a, so let's talk about life coaching and people that you work with. So let's talk about your whole business because we've got a few minutes left. So I want to make sure we talk about your business. Sure. Um, so I am a certified life coach. I actually got my certification from Transform Coaching Academy, which is an international coach federation approved program. So I have uh, my or my certification. Um, I also have a master's in leadership and I'm a level two Reiki practitioner. So I got a lot of education to back me up and I do a lot of self-research. I'm one of those people that's constantly reading and all of the material that I'm gaining, I actually use to help my clients. And so I work one-on-one -on -one with people. I actually do a free initial coaching session just to see if coaching is right for you or if you know, where you're at in your own journey. And the goal really is a holistic approach. Because sometimes we focus on one area of our life, namely work, right, or family, mm. a lot of other areas of our life tend to get slack. So personal growth and development, family and communication, friends, like all of this, um, you want to make sure that you're balanced. And I do use my intuitive ability and empath ability on calls. So you might get some insight and you might, you know, <laughs> have some deeper conversations than you're willing to have or thinking that you're willing to have, but we, we really do tap into limiting beliefs and helping you overcome some of your limiting beliefs, have more balance in your life, manifesting goals. I've had some clients who've been able to manifest, you know, a job, their dream job, a house, you know, anything from dealing with relationships. We've had, I've had clients who want to deal with relationships with their parents and how they communicate to standing up for their needs and their values and narcissistic relationships. It, it kind of runs the gamut. Um, so I'm, I do the one-on-one -on -one coaching sessions. I'm actually working on developing a group program for empaths. Um, and I also lead a women's group meditation once a month that can have profound shifts. Didn't start meditating before. Uh, initially, didn't lead a meditation and started leading them. And it's been amazing to have people have these connections with, you know, past loved ones or their own guides and really get some insight onto their own growth and, and feel into what they want to change and start a community of women to support each other. Um, yeah, so I'm on Instagram. I think the link posted up there. My website is up there if you want to get more information. Um, and I'm here to chat and answer any questions that people have. I'm very, very prevalent. Like you can find me all the time on Instagram. I post different things for videos and tips and tricks. Um, I've been posting articles on Thrive. So I'm published on Thrive Global about the story about, you know, finding your strength. Uh, I also did one on being a light worker and kind of rising up to help shift and change the world. Yeah. So let's talk about, you said if you coach with you, you're, you are a little bit of an empath, you're an empath. So you may get more than what you, so let's talk about the clients that get a little bit more than what they ask for with that. What's their reactions? Cause I want to know, cause I think it would freak them out to begin with. So the, the clients that I've been working with, a lot of them come from my women's circle actually. And they already know the, the way that I lead meditations is very intuitive. I never know what's going to happen when we go into the meditation. It's guided based on the people that show up and what they need, which I think is, I've never done it. It's kind of an amazing thing. I just see these images and we go from it. Normally when I have an initial call with someone, I give them the insight that this is how I work. You know, I am, in, I am somewhat intuitive. I am an empath. So I can see things that might be below the surface. So on some of my questioning, we might dive into something that you didn't think was there. And every once in a while, I'll offer some insight, but I always ask so they're aware that it's coming. But I've never had anyone that was like, whoa, what is that? Not yet. So you were talking about your meditation circle, your women's circle. Is that something that's online? People can join in or what? Yep. It's Zoom. So it's anybody from around the world can join in. I do it once a month. Um, I've been doing it on the full moon. I, I'm not doing one this, this Sunday, um, but I will be doing one the full moon in um, April, which is normally the last Sunday of the month. 
Okay. Uh, it's Zoom. It's donation based, which is kind of cool. So if you can pay, great. If you can't, that's okay. And the reason I do that is because I want people to be able to join and to have that sense of community and connection and to receive, right? Um, and then sometimes some people from those groups or even from one of the podcasts, right, uh, will want to work with me one-on-one because they see the growth potential, even just doing a small meditation, because I do use visualizations in many meditations in my coaching sessions as well. So if people wanted to join in the meditation or get on coaching with you, you said you offer a free call to begin with to see if that's where they want to be at, right? Yes, ma'am. So I have a, it's, there's a link on Instagram. There's one on my website. Um, if people are interested in working, you know, one-on-one, we do a free initial coaching session. And that's normally about 30 to 45 minutes. Um, I talk with you to find out what, where you're at with your goals, what you're really looking to get coaching for, and to see if we're a mutual match. Because I want to work with people who are ready to make those changes. Uh, because it's not about my journey. It's really about your journey. And I want to make sure that we're in a good place to do that. Um, and if I recommend that we work together, I'll kind of outline what the coaching packages look like. Um, if it's not a great timing, then it could be, you know, following up or coming to some of the meditations. I've had some people who it wasn't the right timing um, that continue to get growth and change coming to these monthly meditations. And I will say meditation, there's some meditations that is like, oh, I can't do it because I am not a big believer in that. But I had someone come on yesterday and she took us through a guided meditation. And oh my gosh, I was like so calm by the time I ended up downloading her podcast because I was like, her voice was so calming that and believe it or not, I was sitting there listening. I think I listened to one episode, but it, it continued playing on throughout the night because you know how it doesn't automatically shut off. And I fell asleep to her voice. So it's so funny because it was so calming. Yeah. Well, and, and everybody is different with meditation. So when I let them physically, cause I was doing them here um, in the Portland area, I had people who would fall asleep or who would just get super relaxed. I had new beginners who had a really hard time um, getting the visualizations. And honestly, I always start with saying, you know, you'll get whatever you need. You just got to be open to it. And mm -hmm. your mind is going to start saying, okay, let's go this way. And you might be like, let's stick with the meditation, but just going with it or going and focusing on your breath is super important. Um, but I learned how to do the voice too. So I had to learn, I like figured it out. Um, but yeah, everyone is different. Some people like certain people's voices or the ways that they lead meditation versus others. You know, it's finding the right fit for you. Yeah. And we have a comment says, love that. What a heart to serve others well. And yes, yeah. I so agree, Katie. I mean, you can just tell the, the Zoom that you want to help others. You don't want to keep the knowledge to yourself. You want to speak up for others when things happen, when injustice happens. And I want to thank you so much for being on today. So tell people where they can find you. Yeah. So you can find me on Instagram at guided path coaching. Um, like I said, I do a lot of videos. I like to share just free information for you guys. Um, there's also links in there to uh, my website, which is www.guidedpathcoaching.org. Um, there's links to articles. There's links to the women's circles. Um, you can find that on my website as well. Then I'm on Facebook um, at Guided Path Coaching LLC because um, the other one was already taken. So you can find me on all of those resources. Um, my phone number is on my Instagram, my email. Like if you want to contact me with any questions, absolutely go for it. Um, I'm here to serve and make sure that you guys are getting the resources that you need. Can't accommodate everyone. But I will try to do as much as I possibly can to make sure that you guys feel successful. Um, yeah. All right. Once again, Katie, I want to thank you for coming on and for sharing your story about how you went through sexual harassment and how you ended up helping others as well. And just your journey into coaching and moving across country as well. <laughs> thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. And I'm so glad to have the opportunity to chat with you and be live with you and talk with everyone who showed up. All right. So, guys, we will see you on the next chat for the blog cabin. Bye. Y'all, there have been very few people that I've asked to come back after an immediate interview. Sometimes I ask them to come back maybe months after 
But this particular couple of them, there's I think maybe three or four people that I have just vibed with so much and just enjoy chatting with so much that I've asked them to come back. And Katie is one of those people. Katie's actually going to come back and do a guided meditation. And we're going to see what comes up for the people that are listening in while she's doing the meditation. She says because in the, when she does meditation, there things come to her about people that are listening so I thought it would be really cool to see what came about I'm all about exploring and exciting and new things um, yes I'm a Christian I believe in God I believe fa- I'm faith very faith-based but I also believe that God put um, people out there to help us lead us along our way so with that said I want to thank you so much for being part of the podcast family I hope you're really enjoying this series on women um, women's history women empowerment it goes past a little bit past the month of March because I wanted to make sure that I had every woman, every woman, not every woman, every woman that has been profiled on the podcast as well. So you may have an extra week, week and a half of content, and then we'll go into our education um, series, which I cannot wait because the first guy that's going to hop off the education series is talking about how life educated him. And it's an amazing conversation, and I really hope you enjoy it. Um, but thank you so much for being part of the podcast family. Um, if you would, for a big favor for me, please review it, leave a rating, um, subscribe if you're not already subscribed to it, and just basically let me know that I'm doing uh, that. I'm that what I'm doing. You're really enjoying the content. And if you hop over to YouTube, subscribe to the channel because then you can see the faces behind the voices. Um, I want to thank you again, like I said, for being part of the podcast family. And most of all, please remember, be blessed. And most importantly, keep chatting.